This episode of Driven Minds Podcast is brought to you by Paller NYC. Paller is a New York City-based apparel line that celebrates individuality. Be who you are, wherever you are. Check out their signature Bryce cap on PallerNYC.com. That's P-A-L-L-O-R-N-Y-C.com. And follow them on IG at PallerNYC. Enjoy the show. Podcast. This is Franz Bowen. This is Trav Weeks. Yeah, yeah. We got an ill guest in the building today. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? CEO of Who's Your Landlord. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Ofo Izugu. You know what I mean? Um, the homie Ofo, man, I've been, uh, I was just telling him, like, I was, you know, we worked out of a co-working space, um, and I would see him in and out. That's how you know the people who really work it. You don't see him that much. You see him, like, in little pockets. He'll pop up, and then, you know, he'll disappear again. And, um, you know, recently I've just been hearing about the app and um, the progress of it. It's a, an amazing app for, you know, people, especially in the inner cities, people who rent and whatnot. Um, the Who's, Who's Your Landlord app is just, was just a great idea, and we're happy to have him aboard. So thank you again, brother, for coming on the Driven Minds podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited. Appreciate it, man. So then, to, um, tell the people exactly what's the app and, um, yeah, what it does. Yeah, so uh, who'syourlandlord.com, it's a, it's a web platform. The entire goal is to really empower and to inform the rental community. So we target primarily millennial renters, although everybody can benefit tremendously from the product. Mm-hmm. Um, but we focused in on landlord reviews. Um, we make a lot of content around your neighborhood, your community, so you know what you're, you know where you're moving. And um, we also provide access to quality listings around the tri-state area right now between New York, Philly, and D.C. That's tremendous. What, what, what sparked the idea for that? I mean, certainly, you know, there's always, when you're a renter or, or whatever, you know what I mean, there's always feedback that you have about the person that you're renting from or the person that's overwatching your, your property. Absolutely. But was there like a, a personal experience that led to this? Or? Yeah, so funny enough, I actually had a good landlord or several good landlords when I was in Philly uh, in school. But my senior year, I was at Temple University, was the VP of the student body. And the thing is, students would come to me a lot with their issues, especially things that were happening off campus, because my purview is kind of like government affairs, local community affairs, um, anything that wasn't like directly like on the campus, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, for people that don't know, North Philly is undergoing ton- tons of gentrification, similar to Brooklyn, similar to many cities across the U.S., right? Yeah. Um, the reason that was what was spearheading it out there though was Temple, like the school I was at, mm-hmm. um, because you had a lot of landlords moving in, kind of creating these shabbily put together apartments. They made it; they look nice. But things wouldn't work, you know what I mean? The water wasn't working correctly or there was issues with the piping. Um, you know, your dishwasher wasn't working correctly, wherever the issue was. Um, so not only did you have students getting the raw end of the stick in that they were being charged per room, so way, way more than like a family was being charged, mm-hmm. but also the actual family that lived there were being displaced. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was bad all around. And so the idea I came up with was, what if there was some way you could review your landlord, that way others would know what to expect before signing a lease. And um, that idea really stuck. We ran with it on our platform. We won uh, and uh, created a beta version of it in 2013 for the mm-hmm. school to use. Mm-hmm. And uh, from there, we just kept kept building. Gotcha, gotcha. At that time, did you know, know how much of a, a problem this is? Like in like communities in New York and across, you know, nationwide. Did you were you conscious of like how 
um, you know, you know, you think even France can attest with landlords yeah. can be can violate, right, know, right, and, um, especially in low income communities. Yeah, I don't think we understood the depth of the the kind of problems people were feel, de- dealing with. You know what I mean? Because you have to still think we were looking at it through the lens of a student. So we we're like, you know, like you know, whether your water's not working or whatever, like there's still there was still ways you can get the problem solved. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people just didn't know how to do it. So I think we learned very early on that not, landlord reviews was one good component of it. It was going to be very helpful. But we had to train ourselves to understand, you know, how do people remedy solutions in the situations that come up, mm-hmm. um, because information is, is only is only useful if you kind of have the full breadth of it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So um, we had to really learn just the issues people were really dealing with, and that helped us to expand beyond just students, because like you mentioned, it was way deeper than than just that. Absolutely. Yeah. So what are some things that you had to? Uh, Educate yourself on in yeah. terms of this because this is a really u- unique business model, you know. Like, there's right. always been like the Zillows and all those things out there, but nothing that you can like a community where you can actually speak to somebody. So, what are some things that you had to like educate yourself on? First of all, just the lingo, right? We, okay. we had to understand how everything worked together who a landlord was, who a broker was, an agent, mm-hmm. property manager, apartment building, your super. Like, that, those are things you kind of you would say, but you really didn't cut, especially moving into New York. You know, a lot of people don't know what a broker does, you know, so having to explain that, um, make people understand, you know, what are what are actual laws when it comes to their landlord. So your landlord should be like to have a license. Um, a lot of landlords operate without a license. So what people don't know is when you go to court with your landlord, if they don't have a license, you usually by default just win because they're not supposed to be operating. People don't know that, though. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, like, I think something like 92% of people represent themselves in court. Mm-hmm. Landlords oftentimes have lawyers on retainer, so you're already going up against the gauntlet. Like, it's, it's, you have a, it's a tough uphill battle. So um, it's really just giving people insight and information about their neighborhoods, about how laws change from city, well, state to state, um, and how to best address issues that come up how to communicate best with your landlord, how landlords should communicate with their tenants. We, we talk about a lot of that, that kind of stuff. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I definitely want to circle back on this, but I want to even take it a little, um, a step back and talk about how do you even get to the point where, <clears throat> boom, um, I identify a problem. You were in college at the time, right? College, yeah. And you know what? Me and my team, we going to start an app and just solve <laughs> the problem. Like, how did you even get to the point, especially around 2013, I think, um, at that point, the tech scene was like on its way to becoming really, really booming. I don't know if it was booming um, to the point it is now, but it was definitely um, heading that in that trajectory. Um, what did you? What were the first steps that you took to actually like build your app, get, put your team together, and execute? Now I love that question because I, you know, I spoke at Lincoln High like early this week. It's really, really, really rough school in Philly. Like someone got shot there a week before, and they didn't even let me know that. Like that <laughs> they just had me roll up and, but um, but uh, you know, a young lady asked that question. She was like, "How do you start a company?" She's like, you know what I mean? Like, how do you like start it? You know, that's a really good question because yeah. some people don't even know how to like you know take the first yeah, step. Yeah, right? yeah. And so I was saying, you know, if you from from a student's perspective, I think the first thing you want to do is like create a logo, right? So something you can attach the vision to. Mm. Um, usually put it on something like get a T-shirt made, get a hoodie made, something mm. so you're waking up and you're seeing it every day and you're reminded like I want to achieve that. Um, but when you don't have a vision of what it looks like, you really don't know where you're going. And a lot of times. I think just as humans, we tend to keep pushing it off. Like, eventually I'll do it. So someone else slides in there and does it instead, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, like, that component of it. I think in terms of how we approached it was, that was one of the first things we did. I was I was joking with Nakuma from Crown Mag the other day, showing him our original logo, and it looked booty. Like, this. <laughs> like it was crazy. He, he was like, yo, y'all wouldn't be here if you kept that logo. Like, you're absolutely right. Yeah. But um, we, we had the logo created. 
I had already had a team in place because I started a company called Untapped Incorporated like a, a year before that. And it was okay. a brand development firm. We worked with businesses and artists on getting their message in front of the right people. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, that team actually was a team that kind of helped get Who's Your Language started. It wasn't until we're like, this actually has like really like strong legs. Let's break this off and make it its own company completely. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the beginning, because I was super involved in school, like freshman year, I didn't really do anything. Like it was just, you just party and go home. And go to class, of course. But the rest of the time, I was like in all these organizations, like Entrepreneurial Student Association. Mm-hmm. I played uh, intramural football, intramural basketball, handball, even like, um, and then student government my senior year. Mm-hmm. Right. So I understood how organizations work. I understood how to wow. delegate tasks. Um, I understood how to build something. You know, um, right, right. I think by the end of our our like student government term, we had achieved like ninety percent of our platform, which never happens. You know, wow. so um, when it came to building the company itself. Um, identified who we needed most. We needed a technical person, who is Nick, our co-founder. Mm-hmm. Um, we needed our ops guy, who's Felix, who we've been best friends for 18 years now. We started Untap together and then moved to Who's Your Landlord, yes. too. And then um, we knew we needed like marketers, and you know, and that was really important because the way we launched actually was we recorded on video like all the like influencers on Temple's campus, right? We would ask them questions about their landlords, horror stories they had, just issues they faced, why an app like this would be good. Mm-hmm. Got that all on film. We then went and uh, we went and created a bunch of infographics. So it was 2013, so that was like cool at the time, right? So um, for six weeks leading up to launch, we had on Monday we dropped an infographic. The following Monday, a video, infographic video. Like we did that all the way up, and then um, the you said six weeks before six weeks before, okay. yeah. So just kind of build up, you know, right, the energy, and then. Uh, the night before the launch, we invited all those influencers to our crib, like literally have like a little, like it wasn't even a party really, we just kind of, on the big screen, um, we pulled up the, the, the web app, showed, showed them how it worked, um, and then we gave everybody a t-shirt. So tomorrow when you hit campus, wear this t-shirt. Nice. So we had like 50 of the biggest influencers on Temple's campus rocking these shirts. Right, right. All the professors were asking about it, the other students were like, what is this? And uh, that kind of initially drove the traffic for the first night. We learned our first valuable lesson. It was like people come and you give them value. Mm-hmm. So we had a bunch of traffic, but like no reviews. People, some people were posting them, but we started with zero reviews on the site. Right. So you know the bounce rate was crazy. Like yeah. <laughs> so it was like oh, like we have to actually have information for you to stick around. Yeah. Um, so then we, we you know we kind of shifted our efforts towards like getting people to to start posting. And you start realizing like the messaging is so important, right? Mm-hmm. Like the nuance and, and the difference of, hey, come to Who's Your Landlord is now live is very different than, hey, come to Who's Your Landlord and post your review to help the community. Like those are very different things. Mm-hmm. We were promoting the first, people got there, there wasn't anything for them. And I was like, all right, this is cool, man. Keep building. So uh, yeah. I'm proud of you, man. So we had to focus and uh, it's worked out since yeah. That's, that's true. That's 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 really uh interesting point, man, when it comes to messaging. Um and, and certainly I, I imagine that you've 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 gotten better at it over time because you, you're still here. Um, how how has your messaging changed or has it changed at all since since that time? Oh, it's changed a lot, man. I mean, we were we went from like who's your landlord, like rate your landlord and find your next home. Like that was our our line, mm-hmm. but it didn't didn't speak really deeply, right? What speaks deeply is like, what are you doing for someone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we shifted from that to bringing quality, bringing uh, like you a quality living experience. Mm-hmm. That still wasn't that deep. Now it's you know we've learned what are we really doing? Well, we're empowering and informing you. 
about information that comes to your landlords, uh, your, you know, your neighborhood, your community, the laws that happen, rental rights, and that kind of stuff. So once we realized that, that we were empowering and informing people, that shifted everything. That gave us more of a base um, where people could really connect with it. Mm -hmm. And I think that once we realize everything we do needs to, to kind of come back to that base, it makes it so much simpler to, to build from that. So every every event we put together, every like marketing campaign we put we put together, everybody anybody we're recruiting to join the team has to like understand that that mm -hmm. core. You know what I mean? What what were your early challenges monetizing? Um, we at the beginning it was like, well, how do you right? We were we knew that there was tremendous value in the information. We knew that there was tremendous value in users using the platform. Um, but you know, we're not, I mean, I'm Nigerian. My co-founder was like Ghanaian. Like we're always thinking of business, right? And mm -hmm. how can you generate revenue? Um, but what we understood though, looking at Facebook, looking at Twitter, different companies, was if we could get the usership right. We get people like galvanized and using the platform and using it the way we, we thought they would, um, or even them using it a certain way and then catering to what they how they're using it. Um, if we could get an audience, we could generate revenue. We knew that we could figure that out. Um, and so two years ago, we got closed our first like big check. It was we had you know done little deals in, in advance of like five hundred dollars, three hundred dollars of different like brands and stuff. And then a moving company paid us twenty thousand uh, to get the name out more for them. They were the top rated moving company in New York City, Roadway Moving. And uh, once you once you figure that out, you're like, oh, I got it. This is how yeah, exactly. This is how we monetize. Because that happened kind of. Uh, I won't say by chance. It was a blessing, but we were working with a different moving company for a while. Mm -hmm. um, but they were doing like a, like it was like affiliate deal. So whenever they get something, they would sell, send us some bread. Yeah. But that wasn't that wasn't really moving it because they actually were priced way out of the range of our renters. Mm. Um, they were like wow. an expensive moving company in New York. Right. It didn't make much sense. Right. Um, and then my financial advisor actually made an introduction. was like, yo, I've known this guy for a while. He's CEO of Roadway. You should connect with him. Uh, first, the guy was slow to respond to emails and stuff. And then I was like, you know, it's all good. Like, we'll just keep working with this other company. And I said the name. He's like, oh, wait, come, come in. We have to meet, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we got a yeah, name drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Came in. Um, and, I, you know, I, it was it was crazy because I couldn't I, I couldn't afford to get home that day. Like, I was broke. Um, and uh, I remember, and I was, that day was a whirlwind. I ended up, I fell asleep on the train because it was, like, I woke up at, like, 5 that morning. I actually was on the Today Show in the morning, like, um, had a bunch of meetings throughout the day and then had to go to the Bronx where they were based. Right. Fell asleep on the train, was like 30 minutes late. <laughs> He's like a, like a tactician, like he doesn't play with that. Right. But, um, you know, I rolled up, I'm like sweating and it was like actually kind of cold outside, but I'd been, you know, hustling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I, I remember he like, he, <laughs> like his, like his, uh, it wasn't secretary, but like, his like right hand person was was like talking to me like hey I don't know if he's gonna still meet with you he's really busy today mm. and mind you the dude's like walking by me like acting yeah. like he can't see me so I'm like oh, I was one of these situations yeah. and um went to his office and I just was like look like when you when you like exhausted your energy yeah. you kind of have like no I don't know if I can curse but like you kind of have, have like, no room for the yeah, shit you have no fucks yeah. you have no fucks to give so yeah. I just was like look man like what we're doing is good yeah. like so that's actually when you're the most effective exactly yo, that's exactly when you don't give a fuck. Yo, I was like, yo, like you barely let me in your office at this point. Yeah, So um, he was like, you know, he pulls up the site on his like huge like Mac screen, and um, I'm like walking through it, and then um, I'm like, remember, I'm thinking still, I had the other moving company, and I knew they were on the home page. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, if you just keep scrolling down, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 some yeah, of our 
partner and he was like his eyes got big like what are you doing with them so I like broke down like what the partnership looked like yeah. didn't get into any numbers and like that yeah. but I said yeah but I think we could do something bigger here and he was like yeah I, I tend to go all in and um, I remember going back to the other company telling them hey look I met with this company mm-hmm. so what we're thinking of doing so they like to send me over your information and all week I'm kind of going back and forth with both of them and then um, at the end of the week the one company was like we can't afford that and they were like yo we're in so right, it worked right. out and uh yeah, it, 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 we once we learned that, we just kept kept that going. That's super. Yeah, that's that's an amazing story. Man. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I love hearing those. And Travis, right? Like when you're at that point, yeah. for some reason, I don't know if they can sense the apathy. <laughs> no, in many aspects, in many aspects, in many aspects, right? How has it been discovering your adjacencies, right, yeah, of, yeah. of your business? Because that's because you're you're finding like all your cost centers, right? Right, like. You just mentioned a moving company, right? right? And then I imagine that, you know, a, a renter needs maybe like rental insurance. So yep. you might speak to like an insurance company. Where, mm-hmm. where, what kind of mind frame? I don't even know how to position this question, but how do you discover your adjacencies? Like, yeah. it's affiliation. Yeah, your affiliation. A lot. Of, I mean, it's two ways, right? First of all, you identify. I, we're, we're in a fortunate position because like we market to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, what would I respond to? What exactly. would make me move, you know? Because you're a millennial um, consumer. Exactly. Rents probably, you know? Exactly. I mean? Like, we have it broken down to the point where it's like, all right, the average age is like 25, 26 years old. Right. This person will go to an Afro, to Afropunk or to, like, Made in America. True. Like, you know, we, we have, like, the archetype of the person down, right? Absolutely. So, um, for us, it's like, it's considering that when we're thinking about, you know, moving forward with anybody, we think, what do we need as a renter? Like, what are some ancillary things you usually need? You need renter's insurance. You need cable. You need internet. Mm-hmm. Um, you may, we might need a new cell phone plan depending on if you're moving to a new city or wherever the case is um you oftentimes like there's there's many things utilities that you're needing to get so we focus in on that um then oftentimes those companies reach out to us so like american express uh all state several companies they reached out to us because they were like look we have renters insurance for your people like how can we work together um and also they found us because i put up like a linkedin post in like 2015 that was like just being rehashed and their like director of marketing came across it and was like, "Yo, this would be great if we could sponsor some content." Wow! And so that and that just came out of nowhere. And they legit in the email were like, "We're looking to start at twenty thousand. Like, you know what I mean? Wow! Um, and I I'd never seen that. Like, how do you just email somebody and say that? I was like, "That sounds wow. good to me." Oh, like, sponsor content. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um, and then who else? And like American Express found us as well. Mm. For them, it was like, okay, credit and financial readiness is important for millennials. You know, a lot mm. of us are get co-signers for mm. our you know our apartments and stuff. Um, a lot of us don't know how to save money while we're looking to eventually own a home. Mm-hmm. So we're renting and just burning the money, burning the money, but yeah. not really figuring out how to save too. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, by the time you're thinking of buying a home, you, you have some capital on the side. So we just want to speak to a lot of different issues. And what's great is, you know, if they're going to pay us to speak, it's all our voices, us, you know, the whole time. Then why not have them pay us to do it? So was it at that point that because uh, I was going to ask, um, you know, going through your challenges, I'm pretty sure there probably times where you're like, yo, damn, should we keep going forward or whatnot? Mm-hmm. Was that the point where you were just like, okay, we, or the point where you was like, okay, we got something. Like, let's keep going. I don't think it's ever been a, yeah, I don't know if there's ever been a moment where I'm like, um, should we keep going forward? The question always is, how do we keep going forward, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like, cause you know there's value in it. Um, whether that's been shown to you through the revenue, through the value. The biggest thing for us was when people started reaching out with success stories. Like that's when you're like, all right, we're doing the right thing. Got it. Um, but they, it's not, I'll say they, it's kind of a euphemism for society, but they make it tough, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's not getting the investment dollars you need, 
whether it's talking to companies and the, the cycle to close them might be long, right? Like they might just keep needling things on and on and on. And it takes like two, three months to close something. Like you just, there's so many factors that play a part. So um, the toughest times I think as an entrepreneur are those moments where you feel like you've expensed every idea you have for like potentially moving forward. Yeah. Um, because you're never really worried about yourself. You're like, oh, I'll sleep on the floor. I'll sleep at a friend's house. We'll figure that out. I'll eat a meal a day. We did that for like a year, year and a half. But it's like your team members, as your team starts getting bigger mm -hmm. and they were looking at you like, how am I getting paid? Right. And I got a girlfriend, I got a boyfriend, like, or I got a family, whatever the case is, mm -hmm. you got to be able to come come through with something. Right. And so um, that's always been the, 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 the thin line you walk. I think, you know, I was talking to somebody earlier today and I was saying, you know, if anything, talk about sustainability, I'm like, you have to be sustainable up here. Like, get mm -hmm. your mind right, you know, because if your mind is kind of in the middle on these things, you never get too high, too low. And that enables you to enables you to go through some really crazy stuff that happens inevitably. You know? mm. So what so what are your your recalibration habits? Like, um, like yeah, like how do I, prayer uh, prayer? I I uh, like I think that's that's number one for me. Like mm -hmm. wake up in the morning, do it. I probably pray like I say at least 15, 20 times a day. Just like, little things too, right. like, you know. Um, but then also too, like I actually I have a personal team and a professional team. Mm. Like people that I trust on a personal level that I'm talking to all the time. Mm -hmm. Most of my friends actually aren't in business at all, um, which I think is really great for my mind because if I was always talking to business minded folks, like I'd always be thinking about the business. Right. But I'm talking to people that are like artists, that are like um, singers, that are that are engineers, or just doing different things. And right, right, right. we have uh, conversations about any and everything, which is great because then it makes me more creative. You know what I mean? I'm not thinking of everything through the lens of housing. The lens of tech. Cause I think if we had that mindset, we wouldn't be at we, our brand wouldn't be as distinctive as, as it is. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't have made it as far as we have. Mm -hmm. um, so what, from that perspective, it's like the, the personal team has to make sure that's right. Also, I've, I've been blessed to have a very supportive family. So um, any ways they can help, and it's, it's never it's never anything like huge, right? Like our, our support usually usually in our communities isn't like here's a fifty thousand yeah, dollar check, go right. chase your dreams. Yeah. It's like yo, oh you're you're hundred dollars short on rent, like, I got you. Like right. it's um it's like oh you, you need to go get groceries, right? Like, you need a meal, go get groceries. <laughs> like I got you. Come <laughs> by, I, I made all of this food. Right, take yeah. this back with yeah. you. Yeah. It's yeah. The, first, yeah. the first two years I'm in New York, like yeah. my grandmother saying every Sunday night come through, right? Go to her house in North Jersey, get a bunch of food, eat a meal there, and then take the rest. Yeah. Right before our like weekly meetings would start at like seven p.m. Right, like that's that's what you need. People that support you because they see the vision, but they also see how hard you're working for it. Mm -hmm. um, and then you also need a professional team. So we've had to fire board members. Like these are people that have millions of dollars or have a lot of clout or cachet. Mm -hmm. But I always for entrepreneurs, I think in the beginning you tend to like be like, yo, it's a big name. I want to work with them. And oftentimes, big names would be like, you'd be surprised. They might be like, yeah, let's work together. Mm -hmm. um, but they won't actually do anything. It's mm -hmm. not all of them. Right. But you have to understand, like, you need to like seek out people who give you value. Be exactly. Before you could ever give them anything. They're just like, yo, I Absolutely. really, I trust, I trust what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I believe in you. You remind me of me. But, like, actually, and I want to invest in your future, even if it's just through my knowledge right. and content. And that's more than a check sometimes. That's way more than a check. It's yeah. way more than a check. Absolutely. Um, and so, and there's a lot of folks that just, you know, want to put their arm around you at events and say you're their, their mentee and all that kind of stuff, right. but not actually do anything. Um, and so, you know, we've had to let people go. And I think, but that's allowed us to really narrow in. 
everybody that works with us in any capacity now is someone who's known us for at least the last two to three years yes. and has provided value in ways we can, that's immeasurable. Yeah. Um, and then it was like, okay, I think you should be on the board. I think you should be on the board. Yes. Um, but I know the reason why I'm bringing them on the board is because like, who's your landlord is the beginning. This is going to be a massive company, but I also know I'm going to do other deals and stuff in the future, right? And yeah. so I want to make sure that these folks are my friends that I'm doing deals with in the future, investing in, in other companies with in the future with. So I'm um, setting that up right now to get that foundation right. Mm -hmm. I think as long as you get those two things right, you can kind of run with it. Absolutely. Did you um Did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur, or was this something that you kind of evolved into? Yeah. Um. I always was like, I always enjoy being different. So like before we were recording, we we're talking about like how I like the cults. Yeah. I was growing up in Maryland. Didn't anybody like no one liked the cults but me. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> By that point. Yeah. And so um, but I you know having come from I was in Jersey. I was in Buffalo, New York. I was. Um, in Baltimore, Maryland, in Ellicott City, Maryland, I didn't really have allegiance to like one like team or anything like that. So I always relished being a little bit different than everyone else. Um, and also, I started school early, so I was taking like GT and honors, GT and AP classes all throughout. Um, while people didn't realize I was like I was a year younger than everybody in those classes, right? Um, and then you you also add into the fact that those classes were like. GT was like two years ahead. So if you're in sixth grade, you were doing eighth grade work, right? If you're in ninth grade, you were doing eleventh grade work. And so I always was like, all right, I guess I'm three years ahead, right? Like I was always like, how can I, how can I be different? How can I have an edge there? So entrepreneurship wasn't that far off for me. It wasn't until my junior year in high school, I took my first ever tech and entrepreneurship class. Mm. I just loved it. I was like, this is this is pretty dope. Um, and that, like you mentioned at the time, it wasn't like this really buzzy big thing. It just was like. People that have tech-enabled companies and you could run your own thing. Right. Um, but it was at that point that I realized something I wanted to do and um, ended up starting searching for schools that had entrepreneurship as a program. I remember like Drexel was one of those schools, Temple was one of them. Mm -hmm. um, visited Drexel, wasn't just wasn't a fan of like the, my, my experience. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just thought Philly was just like that. So my mom was like, shouldn't we go to Temple? Like, you know, you said that you wanted to go there earlier. And I was like, yeah, nah, like I, I go to Maryland or something, like they have uh, some programs there, not like entrepreneurship, they had like some business programs. And she was like, look, my, my coworker said, she thinks you like it, she knows your personality, it might fit. So I was like, all right, let's just check it out. And uh, within like five minutes on campus, I was like, yo, yeah. like this is, this is it. Yeah. Um, and it just so happened that when I did the research on them, they were top five in entrepreneurship. So I was like, oh, this is, this is a layout, like it made perfect sense. Um, so I studied it, I majored in entrepreneurship, Minored in management and information systems, and uh, here we are. Yeah. Dope, man. Yeah, Dope. That's tremendous, man. Big up to your school for having that program. Man. Yeah, that's yeah. Really to really spark that uh, that interest. Yeah, and I will say even deeper than the program, because I think that they were still trying to figure themselves out in terms of what entrepreneurship meant as a program. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing I think I took away was the organizations, like Entrepreneurial Student Association. Um, that was huge in the organizations on campus. Mm -hmm. Because... I would. I was always saying like we. I haven't. We had a marketing class, and we were going over like Coca Cola's marketing strategy, like Coca Cola a day. Mm -hmm. Their marketing is different. There's like top of mind. I want you when you walk into a grocery store or whatever, you need that quick purchase. You just think Coca Cola and grab it and leave. Mm -hmm. That's very different. A different mind share than like you're starting your business, and I need you to even think we matter. Like that's a different way of looking at things. Mm -hmm. They're they're dropping billions a year in marketing. We we got like a few dollars to like figure out how we can get these shirts right. Like. So um, I remember that thinking like this is not really entrepreneurship. This is if yeah, should we grow to be as large as Coca Cola? That'd be great to know then. But um, when you were actually working in organizations, one of our first projects was to work with this local tea company right in the city, and it was crazy to me because we visited them, we put together their marketing stuff for them. Like they were like they wanted to work with us because we were young, we had the mind for it or whatever, and like. 
if they, I remember if they were one block over, they would have had so much traffic because so much foot traffic, right? Mm -hmm. But the block they were at, things like 11th and, no, it wasn't 11th and Gilbert, but the block they were on, there was no foot traffic. And um, we did all the smart, we were trying so many things right. and they failed. Like a real company that we were working with failed. Wow. And I was like, yo, this is real life. Like this is crazy. Mm. And like that experience and then like running, you know, different organizations and having meetings every week and stuff like those experiences actually helped me to become more of an entrepreneur. Cause I was like, yo, this is, this is real. Like this yeah. ain't a game. It's taxing. It's taxing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just like a grown woman. She was probably like, you know, like maybe 38 or something and wow. had kids and her tea company went under. Wow. And so when you notice and acknowledge things like that, um, it changes the way you look at things. Right. Um, and then I, bringing that mindset to the classroom was different. And then my capstone professor, Dwight Carey, I still to this day think he's the best professor I've ever had. Mm. Um, he was an actual entrepreneur. He, he had created like, robotics for like Toyota, had a couple factories or whatever. Um, and he was just an old, old guy. So he would tell you So stories. he had a couple of factories? Yeah. Oh, so he yeah. was teaching for the love. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it was, it was crazy, man. And um, he just, his mind was just different. But he was, he was like a book. Because yeah. he, he could tell you how North Philly looked before it was like in this situation, right. before it was blighted, and then before it got gentrified. Like he would always just tell us these stories. And um, yeah, he was really inspirational for me. So Exactly. So you started off in marketing and transitioned into entrepreneurship. Um, mm -hmm. I can only imagine how much that gave you an advantage in the entrepreneurship space. It's right. Like, you know, your marketing skill set or whatnot. Um, in the next five years, what does it look like for you? Do you want to evolve from this and, you know, transition to in, in other industries as well? Yeah, I mean, certainly. I want, I want who's your landlord. But in five years, I want this to be like everyone knows to go there when you're renting. Like that's, that's got to be the standard, right? So rap for Zillow. That's, that's what it is. That's what it is. Like, so I'm, I'm excited for that and what that looks like, the expansion process, the fact that other cities from other countries are reaching out like, hey, we need this in Toronto. We need this in Lagos. We need this in Mexico City. Like, that's mm -hmm. dope. Um, I just, I'm excited for us to get a chance to build to be able to be in those spaces. Absolutely. Um, but five years from now, man, I'm, I'm investing in myself. I'm investing in other companies, mm. um, companies that are led by black and brown people because it's needed. We, we need to invest in our own communities. We need to do group economics because that's the only way we can really push people forward. Absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, and that'll be between here, Nigeria, and Barbados. That I'll, I'll start. And probably, and God, oh, so big up big crazy. Big. <laughs> On your IG, yeah. I've seen the Barbados because yeah. I'm baby. Yeah. You know, oh, I there for three years and oh, shit, dope, as, you know, as a young lad and whatnot. Yeah. So I thought that was dope, man. Yeah. Um, so you, you part of your family? Yeah, my mom's Asian. Oh, yeah. all right, all right. Yeah. Let's, let's not break out the <laughs> mom. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it was about to like, like, flying fish. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is, yo. That's how I knew I like this guy. You know what I mean? I'm happy about that. These that's the thing too about um, you know, um these what I what I feel like the millennial base is doing is like we're thinking globally. Right. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you you know, you probably know Erican. Yeah, yeah, that's the homie. She that's one thing she's very good at. She got me thinking like that too. We're thinking globally, like, yeah, we're connecting with our peers here in the cities in America, but also, there's people just like us in, in Africa, Absolutely. in Nigeria, yeah. in Ghana, in the islands, Barbados, and yeah. whatnot. And we can all, you know, practice this group e economics. So, yeah. I love to hear that you're thinking like that. Definitely, um, definitely. Is it your family that, that, that gave you that, that train of thought? I think so, it? man. I was, I was blessed to be able to travel to Nigeria growing up, travel to Barbados growing up. So, yeah. um, one thing, you, it's, it's crazy how, how information travels. Because I remember going to Nigeria in 2000. And um, at the time, I my cousins were like, bumping Tupac 
and they were like, yo, isn't this lit? And I was like, he died like years ago, you know what I mean? Yeah. But that was like new to them. Then, you know, as internet and social media catch up, like I go down there, they know music before I do now. Like it's crazy, like, oh, you up on this dude? I'm like, yo, I never even heard of this cat. Yeah, so right. it's it, watching how that's happened in the last, I guess, 18 years is incredible. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, yeah, I've always had that kind of worldview in the sense that um, my parents have always, I've always seen my mom filling up the barrel and helping send it back to Barbados. Yeah, right. I remember when we would travel to Nigeria, it would be like four or five of us, and we travel with like 25 suitcases. Like, yeah. you roll up and you go back, and you leave it with one. And you, and you leave and you be stacking them back in and so zipping it all up, right? Uh -huh. Just so you could, you know, support for the Christmas season or whatever. Mm -hmm. So um, I've, I've always had a kind of a worldview of how we can do things. And I think, you know, let's just be real. I think just with everything that's happened in the United States over the last couple, two to three years, it's like you got to have a global view, Absolutely. right? Like, I mean, things are changing so fast, but um, it's just, this is not all. Like, there's more we can do. Mm -hmm. And what I love is that, you know, the same way we have highs, lows, we have emotions, we want to start businesses and we want to play the guitar, whatever it is, like, kids have those same mindsets, values, and everything elsewhere, too. Mm. Um, I keynoted a, a, a conference out in Nigeria, an entrepreneurial conference in June. July last year, mm -hmm. and um, the kids in the crowd were it's like 500 plus students, and they they wanted kid wanted to be a guitarist. One kid uh, started a snail factory, just like a snail farm, and was already generating revenue. Whoa! Like nice. um, a bunch of folks that want to start tech companies, but they were just they were refreshed because they're like, look, like in our houses, like parents are pushing us to be like doctors, There's lawyers, accountants, like proven professions where we can make money, but it's like, I just want to be an entrepreneur, I just want to create something. Yeah. And so it was just re rejuvenating, refreshing for them to hear that kind of stuff. And um, the more I can do that stuff, the happier I am. So that's, sure. that's where the future is. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Well, yo, that's man, amazing. This is, this is another great one. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we asked all our guests uh, this one question before they leave, because um, you are on Driven Minds by way of driven society and uh we want to know what drives you you know what um what keeps you going to wake up in the morning and keep doing what you're doing to impact culture to you know um keep developing your business and keep being a, just a inspiration like what 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 is that thing that just you know that's your driving factor yeah man i think it, like greatness is such an interesting term to me um because i you know I, I don't, uh, I don't aspire to be great. I think I, I am great and I live that way every day. Like mm -hmm. my goals live greatly in every aspect of life. And so that can mean a myriad of things. It doesn't have to just mean in my work life, like be a great person to others, right? Like, um, and so I think that mindset and understanding that I think my job and my duty on this earth is to make someone's life a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And someone asked me the other day, like, you know, what do, what do you want to do by the time it's all done? And I was like, yo, if I could just push the culture forward a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, one of us, we, we've seen, like, together we can do a lot. You know what I'm saying? It's never just one person. We tend to highlight exceptional individuals. We tend to practice exceptionalism. And I think a lot of it's just, especially with the black community, they'll only let a couple of us in. And so we tend to be like, oh, Oprah, but who's next, right? Like, oh, the Obamas, but who are, who's next? Mm -hmm. um, MLK gets all the love, but what about Malcolm X, Stokely, and, and, and Marcus Garvey, right? Like, so, Absolutely. and all the women that were there too, like that were that the Roses and everybody else. So, um, when I think about that, I, I know that if we can just, if I tend to look at it, I think in every like society, every culture, you could say maybe 4% of folks are kind of just, they have this edge, just like this next level edge. We don't have, we, we don't have the capability to just work off that four. Like, we got to make ours eight. 
You know what I mean? If we can just get to 8%, like that's such a drastic change in how we look at ourselves as people, how we look at our value, how we then influence the future. And so that's my goal is get, get, get our four to eight. You know what I'm saying? And if we can do that, I think we can do some pretty cool things. Dope. Wham. There you go. There you have it, y'all. A beautiful conversation. Also, thank you so much for speaking with us and thank you for having that idea to start yeah, such absolutely. a wonderful brand that I will be taking part of in the Definitely next couple of months. Definitely post your reviews. Word. Word. Like we always say this time, stay driven, y'all. Stay driven. <laughs>